There's a California bill that seeks to restrict restaurants from serving kids sugary drinks. Inmates who volunteer to fight California's largest fires are denied access to jobs on release. And California legal challenges to the census citizenship question. That's what's coming up in this episode of California Streaming. You're listening to the California Streaming Podcast with Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just three conservative friends trying to provide some counterbalance in one of the most liberal states in the union. So let's hop on our magic choo-choo train to nowhere and talk some California politics. What's up, guys? We are back. Choo-choo! Hello, everybody. Back with some more amazing California news stories. Did they finish that train finally? Nope. Oh, Mm -mm. okay, yeah. Nope, still nothing. Okay. Still Um, waiting on that. Yeah, you still got to take an Amtrak or a Metrolink. That's it. Or I could drive my own personal conveyance vehicle. You could drive a car, but you got to be aware of how big your carbon footprint is and how you don't like the environment, Bobby. Always, always. You're an environment destroyer. I've never really liked the environment. Oh, I can tell. Yeah. Yeah, I I can tell because you drive and breathe. Well... That's why I bought the Mustang. You need to stop both of those. Oh, yeah. Let's not even get started with your car choice. Probably not efficient. Does it run off a hamster or solar? I'm afraid hamster is the way it goes. Yeah. A fender. A lot of them. A lot of hamsters. <laughs> How many hamster power is that Mustang? That's a great question. I got to uh, I got to convert that. Let me go run some numbers. Well, here's another way the government's trying to... Control your life and your kids and replace the parental unit. California bill seeks to restrict restaurants serving kids sugary drinks. The story comes from The Hill. In an effort to combat childhood obesity and other diseases linked to sugar consumption, California may soon require restaurants to serve water or unflavored milk. Isn't milk a flavor in and of itself? Mm Mm-hmm. As the default beverage for children's meals that pair a food item with a drink. Senate Bill 1192, which passed the Assembly, would allow customers to specifically order alternatives such as soda or juice. The bill is silent on whether the restaurant would have to charge extra for the substitution. Um, Kids' meals shouldn't come with a side order of diabetes, obesity, or cardiovascular disease, said Assemblyman Kevin McCarty. Democrat, Sacramento. All right, let, let me stop you right here, okay? Because the government does not tell us what to do. They are the guiding hand. Ours does. They are our best friends. They're looking out for us. Jerry Diabetes. Brown is your father, and he knows what's best for you. And his buddies up at the Capitol know what's better for you than your own parents. You mean all those womanizers and gun runners and tax evaders? Better than your parents. Wow. Yep. That's a newsflash. God. So this isn't uh, unique to California. In July, Baltimore became the biggest U.S. city and first on the East Coast to pass a similar ordinance, barring restaurants from serving unhealthy sugary beverages with kids' meals and instead opting for milk. 100% fruit juices, water, in flavored or sparkling water without added sweeteners. Baltimore restaurants that don't comply with the ordinance will be faced with a $100 penalty. Yeah, I, I was reading an article from that. Uh, they add jail time to that too? No, yeah. it's not a straw. I was uh, about the, the Baltimore passing that. This quote kind of struck me because you can see how they're trying to spin it, but it also shows mentality. The Baltimore Health Commissioner 
Leanna Wen, said, quote, this law will help families make the healthy choice the easy choice. Help families. Now, you can try and spin it however you want, but a law is a law, and a law is there to force you to comply, to do something. I, I think what's what blew me away about the Baltimore one, and, and I think this is all this stuff is draped in still an archaic idea of what is healthy and unhealthy using a food pyramid That's exactly right. that was developed under unscrupulous means to begin with. And we're finding out that, no, you're, the biggest part of your diet should not be grains. Uh, the Baltimore law says that it's got to be replaced with one of the things could be uh, 100% fruit juice. Now well, that's, that's Baltimore, and it differs from ours. But, but I want to play a game real quick. Okay. I want you guys to guess how many grams of sugar are in an eight-ounce glass of pure orange juice. Okay, pure OJ? Pure OJ, straight off the tree. Okay. I just juiced it and gave it to your little kid's bottle. Eight ounces, like a, like a soda can right. size, right? Okay. I'm going to go with 40. 40 grams of sugar? That's what, That's what you're saying? I was going to do that, but I'm going to go under. This is Price is Right style here. Oh, Price is Right style. Oh, then. <laughs> I'm joking. All I got to do is go 30. Okay. Lay it on us, Louis. How many we got? What's your guess? I went 30. 30. Uh, the correct answer is 22 grams of okay. sugar. Okay. How many grams of sugar are in an 8-ounce Dr. Pepper? See, I th- okay. This one, th- this is the one Ooh. I thought, at least I think I have an 8. I think that I would have told you that there was 30 grams of sugar in a in a soda. Okay. So is that what you're going with for DP? I'm, I'm going with thirty. That's right. Well, diet Dr. Pepper tastes just like regular Dr. Pepper. So we're talking regular. Yeah, Dr. we're not okay. talking regular. Oh, one. diet. I would have changed. Okay. Obviously, but uh, what did you? I was going to go with twenty-two. For okay, some I, said, I said thirty. So yeah. that's fine. Go ahead. So your final guess is 22? twenty-two. Twenty-seven grams of sugar in an eight-ounce Dr. Pepper. <laughs> okay. And there are twenty-two grams of sugar in an eight-ounce glass of orange juice. Wow. So what they're saying is the, the what, what sugar the, is sugar, folks. Well, well, right, and but but apparently they're trying to make the pitch that those last few grams make all the difference. The biggest lie in all this is that there are different kinds of sugar. Right. There might be in terminology, but your body kn- doesn't know the difference between sugar that came out of the orange and sugar that came out of a Snickers bar. Fructose versus high fructose corn syrup. Corn syrup. Sugar right. is sugar. Sugar is bad. Sugar is not good. We know that, but. What makes sugar, say, in an orange not as bad when you eat the whole fruit is the amount of fiber that comes with it. You also have to remember there's only about two ounces of juice in an orange. Right, which is why, like, you could eat a ton of oranges. Granted, you're eating sugar, right? But the fiber and everything else, you can't eat the volume of oranges required to get to that. There's four oranges worth of juice in an eight-ounce glass. Can you imagine sitting down and eating four oranges? Right. Most no. people are done after half an orange, and you offer the other half to somebody else. Exactly. You know? And so this whole masking it in, like, it's a healthier option. And granted, this is Baltimore. In California, it's either water or milk. Milk this, I mean, but, not in a dissimilar way, but we're going back to talking about, you know, the government, the food pyramids, how we got these things that we've gotten, these recommendations. A lot of people make the argument, which I think is right, that I'm not even sure we should be drinking a bunch of milk, that our bodies aren't necessarily designed to process. We're the only animal that drinks milk after nursing, and we're the only animal that drinks another animal's milk. Oh, there you go. (laughs) No, there (laughs) you go. Yeah, so so those facts known, 
this is what they're coming up with in terms of the official standards. And back to the food pyramid point. Well, health aside, why is the government making the the parental choice? Well, I got to see this as as a direct response to the elimination of the soda tax. Exactly. Uh, that's a great point. There, there was a, a monetary gain before. That's a great point. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. Well, might as well just ban it now. Well, it's essentially what we've done with cigarettes, too, is we can't outright ban it, so let's just make it cost prohibitive as much as possible. Same thing with the sugary drinks and the soda. Yeah. Uh, we can't put a tax on it, so now let's just stick it to the business owner to put them in violation if, they don't, if we don't force their hand into water or milk. Right, I mean that. That's, I, but look, folks, the government can't run. I, I guess it could. It's not up to the government to raise your kids. Like, first of all, if I get a water with my chicken nuggets, yeah, we still have a problem. The chicken nuggets. The chicken nuggets. Oh. Right. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> what about the barbecue sauce? Right. It's not that the <laughs> the soda. Sugar in that sugar. The soda was. Uh, a contributor to the to the obesity problem, but if we're going to say the answer is that we're just going to make McDonald's serve a water or a milk with the Happy Meal, there's a bigger problem. And at what point is the government now super regulating what a business can sell food wise to its patrons? And you know what? Maybe I want to have chicken nuggets. I know it's bad. I've weighed the risks in my own personal life, and I just want. Chicken nuggets. I think, am I the only one who sees, I'm not sure that they've, I really don't think they've thought this, that they've put all this together and this is part of why they're doing this. But it is kind of interesting in that we, I think we've certainly crossed the line where you can make the argument that the part of the reason they're looking at this is because they know they're also on the hook, i.e. we, the taxpayers, for the other end of the bill nowadays. Oh, yes. Right? I mean, it's one thing if I, I totally agree with your argument. I, obviously, I stand behind it 100%. If you want to if you want to guzzle 48 ounces of soda every day, knock yourself out. But that only works in a world where then when it becomes diabetes time for you, you better figure out how you're going to pay for the diabetes treatment that you need. So this is an interesting concept because I just had somebody bring up this Similar concept to me the other day. Okay. I consider them maybe moderate to left. Okay. They typically engage me because they know we can have a pretty good conversation about the other side. Yeah. Yeah. He asked, he goes, I was thinking about this the other day. Why do concert, why are conservatives so pro-life when they know a mom having a child under the wrong circumstances will then lead to more financial aid on the state side. Okay. Right? Okay. Great, but people need to have responsibility when they have sex. Right. Right. So my conservative answer to him was, you're making it a whole state problem now when the actual conservative answer would be, don't have sex unless you're willing to accept the consequences of what you did. And now it's like, well, now you should just let them do whatever because now they're a burden on the system, right? But we still need to get back to the personal responsibility and accountability part, and we don't want to train on that. We just want to train for the fallout. And that's the same thing here is that, oh, well, let's 
Let's prevent businesses from automatically serving sugary drinks because it leads to diabetes, ob- obesity, all this other, all these other things we learn in kindergarten. Because we're going to have to then support them medically on the other side. No, no. The problem is we need to teach people how to just raise kids responsibly and allow them to make their own choices. To that point, education should be the key, not regulation. Well, you brought you brought up John. You brought up the the issue about uh, the other end of the spectrum, which is the insurance part, the Obamacare part. The the right, the fact that, that we the all now also are on the hook for the ramifications and the fallout of the decisions that people make in their health. I'm going to bring up the Japanese model. Okay, okay. Every, we all know the Japanese; they're all thin as a rail over there, but they actually do have. A fat tax over there. If you start getting a little bit chunky, okay. they will uh, reduce your um, medical uh, allotment and your rights to the access of public health care accordingly until you get back into shape. Mm. Again, though, the responsibility and the taboo of it, right? Because if you go up to someone and you say, look, you're getting kind of large, John. You're eating way too much and drinking way too much Hoppy Poppy. Or Chicken McNuggets. Or Chicken McNuggets. Yeah. Now I'm fat shaming. Oh, no. I've right. been, you've massively triggered me. I, you've been triggered. And now I'm the mean one because well, we've considered it taboo. And we say all body types and all body shapes, everything's beautiful and everything's great. Like, and you're like, yeah. no, they're killing themselves. Or, or I'll even take it back to a, I understand I'm about to use like logistics, facts, things that don't often work in, in heartstring arguments. Next segment. But like if there is an industry where weight, weighing, all that stuff is directly correlated to the price you pay for something, it'd be the airlines. Right. Weight, oh, man. Weight of a plane. And I just flew. Right. No, but, but, right, but weight, weight on a plane. Is everything. It directly impacts fuel, okay? So, theoretically, there should be a scale. At the, no, no, like, I mean, no, like I'm, the, I'm, okay, your baggage I'm not, at the sky cap. But I'm, just going with your, but I'm just going with your discussion, right, of if there's a scale, then it's correlated how much you pay for the ticket, etc. I'm only saying that because, in theory, that's, that's the direct, be the direct correlation for how the price is determined. But, but then you bring in I get it, but you bring in all the other sorts of, you can't go there. Well, because it's all about feelings. Right. It's about, oh, that's not nice. That's that's mean. Well, no, that's real talk. Like, when you, this, I see this all the time. I'm a Starbucks fiend. I drink a lot of Starbucks. I just get a nice coffee with no sweetener. You still you, go there? I Yeah, I, I know. They try to lecture me about how I should treat people. But. You should have a conversation. But I'll be buying coffee at 6.30 in the morning before work, and there's people ordering venti frappuccinos that are, wow. these are massive people that those are, are milkshakes. starting their morning with a milkshake. And you're just like, this, this is not just a coffee drink, you know? Oh, no. And you want to be like, what the hell? Like, but then you're lecturing somebody, and you're, there's some like righteous moral platitudes that people feel but, like you're on a soapbox, and you're like, no, this is not a good choice. But right this, now. but that's the interesting line here, right? Is more than ever we have a right to lecture because more than ever, what you pay and your future liability in the borrowing of this country and this state and yours and mine is directly affected because of the social services offered to people who don't make correct choices. So, 
you might you could argue it's it's sense infinitesimally small per person, but nonetheless, what you do now, given the laws of this land, the services that are provided, what you do affects me. Right, and I think people don't understand the kind of paradigm here of in a purely libertarian society, you have a right to eat yourself to death. Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. You have a right to drink as many milkshakes and die of diabetes and obesity and liver failure and everything else in the world. Yep. As soon as you start making society have to foot the bill yep. for your ailments, you lose the ability to have that freedom. Yep. Right? And that gets super deep on the philosophy side of things. But it's funny how the argument is, I don't, I don't know why you care about gay marriage. Stay out of the bedroom. Right? But when it comes to uh, meal choices, yeah, it, all of a sudden we get to inter- interject ourselves in people's lives. I've made the argument for a while that liberals love to dine at the libertarian buffet. Right? There's, there's the philosophy of libertarianism and liberty. They don't mind swinging by and taking a scoop of this and then a scoop of that from it. I get it. But they're not about to embrace, even though the thread runs through the whole thing and that there are certain threads in each of their... Oh, and I'm Catholic, and we call it cafeteria Catholics. There you go. The ones who kind of pick and choose there the dishes yeah. they, they would like to follow there instead of the faith as a whole. There you go. Well, remember, you know, they, they did this back in New York a few years ago where they limited, uh, I think it was 16-ounce beverages. Right. And remember, like, Sarah Palin came out with, like, the big gulp. And she's like, ah, with her straw. Well, it, and these things always backfire because years ago we had the big salad trend. Every place started offering salads oh, instead yeah. of fries. McDonald's, and then, you could like shake the salad yeah, or something. Yeah, the McShakers yeah. or whatever the McShake weight, whatever the hell it was called. But at at the same time, the dressings <laughs> had more sugar than just getting the damn fries, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I got to make that the, damn the, salad taste the, good, right? Because the yeah. only things that make things taste good are fat and sugar. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I'm not going to get a big thing about fat being villainized more than it, it should be. No, but it, but it all but goes back to the food pyramid to, discussion. Right? right, because they're basing these things off assumptions that are wrong to begin with. And exactly. I think that's where I start having a problem is that we we haven't got the health thing, the health side of things in this country on the right path to begin with because people still follow some bunk logic from the 60s. And now we're, we're making regulations and legislation off the science that is still kind of wrong. And yep. stay out of my life. Uh, basically. That's the moral of the story. We can always buy your kid a soda on the side. I understand that. But in Baltimore, you get fined. It's kind of like the straw thing. It's like <laughs> you get fine or imprisonment for giving a straw when it wasn't requested. And then they come along and say, whoa, whoa. <laughs> You're taking that to the far extreme. In theory, the law would allow for that, but that's, I, but that's not what's going to be enforced. And if you listen to the last episode, I can't even pay bail to get out on my straw violation. Right. No, you're in trouble. Next segment. All right, here's another one. Inmates who volunteered to fight California's largest fires denied access to jobs on release. Uh, this one's out of USA Today, but it is kind of on a, in a bunch of different publications right now. As California struggles to contain the largest fire in state history, more than 2,000 inmates have volunteered to fight the flames. Offered just $1 an hour, 
the state has long encouraged low-level prisoners to risk their lives, serve alongside professional firefighters, who are nearly $75,000 a year on average. Firefighting along with less life-threatening trades like plumber, plumbing, welding, and cosmetology, uh, it's one of several vocational training programs offered to prisoners by the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. But in a bitterly ironic twist, once inmates leave prison, they often can't work as firefighters despite their frontline experience. In California, nearly all counties require firefighters to become licensed emergency medical technicians, a credential that has been denied to almost anyone with a criminal record. True. I agree. Next segment. <laughs> but you agree? Okay. I mean, obviously, I'm real curious to see your Well, Let me, let me throw this, this statistic at you. It's that 30% of the jobs in the state require some kind of certification from the state. Exactly. Right. Okay. That's a little out there, man. I mean, how much? Okay. So you're a professional. A lot of people are professionals, doctors, accountants, engineers, what have you. Okay. I get it. You're part of the STEMs, but we're talking about other certifications that are plumbers, like Louis was saying, plumbers, cosmetologists, barbers. I mean, we, we've we've gotten all these certifications that are almost useless. Completely. Right. I think some things to kind of lay a foundation here. When we talk about firefighters in this sense, okay. we're talking about hand crews. Okay. So hand crew of like 20, 24 people that help cut fire breaks and things mm. like that. Very arduous, laborious They'd be awful they, work. They, they'd work. be doing like the off-road vehicles to get to areas and on trails and stuff to then chop and and yeah, but not even. It's mainly hiking. Okay, hand tools. I got it. Cutting like manual fire bricks. Got it. Full time, non-criminal side. We know them as hot shots, right? So the Forest Service, Cal Fire, a lot of county fire departments, some federal fire departments. They actually have full time paid. It's a regular profession being a okay. hot shot. Um, smoke jumpers. You might think of them like that. Um, Grand Mountain Hotshots, these are all crews, you know, that they lost their life tragically. It's very dangerous work. Um, you can, in prison, be basically like the hotshots. Now, the difference is hotshots are full-time paid professionals, non-criminals. And they get to do a lot more work that the inmates don't get to do. Inmates do kind of... Inmates can't do, like, firing operations and things. They can't light things on fire. Okay. That's... They're doing kind of the lowest on the scale that they could do and still participate. Does that make sense? Yes. We're not talking about, for the most part, them responding on a fire engine to your house for a medical call. Makes sense. You know, there, there are certain areas that are super remote in the state where they may have a little bit of staffing for traffic collisions and things. But for the most part, they're doing one aspect of... This huge job that firefighters do they're in California. They're usually out there clearing brush and digging right. some ditches and something like that. Right. They're in, and but they're, they're in harm's way. They're in harm's they're way. In harm's way. Uh, they're not typically placed in the biggest of harm's way because of their designation, you know, as as a convict crew. But, you know, it is dangerous being out there. They're, they're out there. Anything could happen. Some things that they do get, which other prisoners don't get uh, because the the big emphasis on this is not just that they can't get a job when they come out, which is we'll talk about in a second, but that they're not paid much of anything. And uh, I forget who was running for Lieutenant governor 
but they put out a big tweet about how this is slave labor. They get paid $1 an hour plus $2 a day. Okay. Uh, but their compensation also gives them two days off their sentence for every uh, good behavior day at the camp. That's a, that's a value. For every other inmate, they only get one day off for one day of good behavior. So they're getting twice as much good behavior time off. They're also getting paid way more than what the other vocations in prison pay. Um, they're also getting housed, fed, medical care, mm-hmm. uh, and you know supervision all on the taxpayer's dime on top of that. So I get... They don't have to do it to begin with. They, and it's totally voluntary. Yeah. They choose this when they're in there if they want to do it. And most like it because they're out. They get out. They travel all over the state. They're not in the walls. They're eating well. They're, you know, they're camping just like we do in their own little section of base camp. Um, and they're doing some manual labor. They're learning great skills, and it's cleaning them up. I'm totally on board with that. The problem is when we come back to being a regular municipal firefighter where you're in people's homes, you're treating people for uh, medical emergencies when they might be unconscious and you're the only person in their house, there's a, there's a lot of things that we don't want criminals doing. So... I get the side of, uh, yeah, isn't this, doesn't this suck? They learn all these skills and they can't use them when they come out. Granted, they're learning like one-tenth of the total job. It's not like they're learning everything. That's fair. But then on top of that, we require a lot more out of our full-time public safety. You know? That all makes sense. But at the same time, the, the, the notion that Bobby brought up, I think, runs parallel to this. And it's true that, okay, it's probably like the article is trying to do or like some of these people have tried to do. It's probably erroneous to say there's a pretty much direct overlap. And if you've done it while you've been in prison and, and you get out of prison, you should be able to turn around and easily, easily get this job. doesn't sound like that's true. But at the same right. time, the general notion of licensing for all of these jobs is creating that barrier in general to them or to a lot of other people. Well, the, the, the biggest prevention of you not going back to prison is if you can get a job when you get out. Exactly. Idle time gets people going back to prison. I get that. Unfortunately, I think some things like being an emergency medical technician, a paramedic, those things do require some licensure and regulation. And I would agree with you. That's where, this, that's where the trickiness comes in where is the line. I just think it's fair to say that we have pushed the line way too far in terms of things that require a license to be able to right. do. Right. Well, I, well I th- I'm, I'm, and I think that's a whole other topic. I think uh, the other thing to consider, too, is that in California, becoming a firefighter is highly competitive. You might have 8,000 people take the test for 100 spots. Oh, okay. Okay. Right? And so if you have a, have the choice of hiring Jonathan, who's got... You have your bachelor's, you have your master's degree, you were an EMT, you volunteered for a fire department or a reserve, you were working on an ambulance, you've never been convicted of a crime, versus Bobby, who was on a hand crew. I like to set things on fire. Was con- I like to burn it all down. Was convicted of a crime. Even if he's perfect, why would you take the person who has a criminal record over the person that doesn't? Like that, That's a gamble for a municipality. And when you have the pick of the litter, you don't have to pick a criminal. I, you know, I, 
No, the competition well, sounds like it just dictates you can pick the top of the top. You can. There's so much competition that you don't have to pick a criminal. Now, if nobody wanted the jobs, well, well, we got to pick somebody. We, we need pick somebody. help and so on and so forth. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't see the supply and demand side. I, I don't see why you would hire a criminal if you didn't have to. There's less risk. Let me throw this little little nugget at you. When we train our soldiers to become doctors, they don't get a medical license. They can only practice within the armed services. And the, and the same is true of like aviation technicians and so on and so forth and go down the line. They cannot take those skills and then just go like, oh, I'm certified. No, I don't think you're correct on doctors. For other things, yeah. I've heard dentists. I've heard for sure dentists in the military that are trained and they clean teeth, et cetera, they cannot go and hang their shingle out after when they get into the private sector. I think dental hygienists and things like that. But, for instance, medical doctors, that's... I mean, a, that's, a, that's If you go that's and, and become all, a doctor to begin with and then you go into the military and, and no, you're actually certified, then it's no, fine. I don't think that's correct. Yeah. So, with a doctor, nobody has a license when they get out of medical school. You have to sit for the licensing exam. And when you go to medical school at with the military... You just sit for the exam for wherever, just like any other doctor. In fact, a lot of people do go to the military to become doctors because it gets paid for. So that that's like the you just you have to give them your four years of service or right. whatever. Right, it's a, it's a, it's a, an exchange of value. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of a lot of people choose to go into the service to become doctors because it's a way to get medical school paid for, and they're not committed to they're not committed to the military for the rest of their life if they want to keep being a doctor. Now, for things that require certifications, so here's another thing to... But this gets it... Go on, I'm sorry. There's interesting licensure and certification. So like EMTs are certified and paramedics are licensed. So, and there are nuances to that, to the way those work in jurisdictions. I think, I don't want to take this too far afield, but it does, it does start to bring up the topic and the discussion. The, Back to the line of what requires these sorts of protected licenses, protected groups that are impenetrable unless you do that thing. And it's obviously it's coming more from a pure like a like a libertarian argument, but take doctors, for example. We talk healthcare costs. It's hard to not think and see that given that there is control over and an entity what the American Medical Association that can bless right. and say you're a doctor to then go out and practice if they didn't exist and if I wanted to try and hang out my shingle to be a doctor I probably would last not even a day but I could do it in that world you got to imagine costs would come down yeah but I don't know if that's but that's, that's the, a theoretical world, but, but I don't think that's, I don't know if that's a world I want where anyone can say they're a doctor. But that's a, but, but I, I'm not sure I can I answer that question I, as easily as that. I could. I don't yeah. want somebody practicing medicine if they had nothing to go through to call themselves a medical doctor. Like but that seems crazy. I know I'm going to throw a lot of free market out here for a second, but wouldn't the free market figure that out? I don't think so because I feel like you're. If you're a horrible doctor, 
you're gonna you're gonna be in business for like a week. But if anyone could be a doctor, be, the market would be super diluted. Why would anyone want to be a doctor? But what do you think that'll do to prices and competition? I think you'll get crappy service, crappy from, quality, from some, and and a super diluted market. You'll get you'll you'll get no no question junk service. From I'm, a group. I'm willing to die on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I consider myself, especially have, after hanging out with you yokels for years, way more libertarian than an R at this point. But on those kind of things, I think there's definitely a better good made to society with medical regulation on that side because i can't see the benefit of somebody claiming to be a doctor well i okay, mean there, there is the rise of nurse practitioners oh and physicians assistants like there are these other uh highly trained ability to do a lot of what a doctor does but they still have the oversight of a doctor would you at least stipulate though and i know this sounds pessimistic but would you at least stipulate that okay but the minute you do put an organization, again, like let's say the AMA, in that seat, now comes the question of are they always acting in the best interest of, let's say, or who, whose best interest are they acting in? Oh, no. The consumers or the people who want to pay them the money to get the license to be a doctor? No, I, I agree. I think whenever you have a big organization, you end up with a big lobbying entity. Exactly. I, I totally understand that. But I don't think that you throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't think because something like the AMA or the AHA might have some clout to it that we say that regulation's bad in general. Because I think when it comes to treating people, um, I do want somebody that's highly trained. And in fact, I want a way to distinguish who's highly trained from who's not. In fact, there's discrepancy just in medical schools and training of, you know, there are schools that carry a lot of prestige to them. When you are a doctor that went to Stanford and you're practicing at Stanford and you're world-renowned for whatever it is you do, you feel confidence going to that versus somebody that couldn't get into a U.S. medical school, went to the Bahamas, right, and then but, came back and started but the, kind but of practicing that's, medicine. That's John's kind of doctor. <laughs> no, no, but, but that's kind of my point is you could, go to, you, you could apply, you could go to Stanford, you could get the degree, you could then turn around and work at Stanford. All, I'm sure most people would consider that person highly, highly qualified. Nowhere in that process, technically, did they need to get blessed by some entity that gave them a piece of paper. Well, but the AMA is not giving them the paper. The, the state's giving them their license to practice. Okay. Uh, and the, there's a state but the regulatory are, okay. agency. Okay. Like, there's National Registry of EMTs. Your 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 certification is coming from the state California EMSA, which is a government body. Right. It's not like the AMA is blessing them. The state of California is but saying but, you can legally practice here. But with the test and the regulations required to, you know, you got to do these certain things. You got to pass this test to to get the blessing. Okay. I mean, I, I don't want to, yeah, semantics, oh, but and on a simpler scale, you can take a certificate certification exam mm-hmm. to become a. Google advertising expert. Okay. By Google. A lot of Microsoft certification stuff, right? right? Yeah. And you can find, and it, most of it's online stuff. Mm-hmm. You can find those answer keys everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm a Google AdWords specialist. Boom. Give me your money. Yeah. I know how to properly do it. And you know what? I could screw over a lot of people. And there's a lot of people that wouldn't know I screwed over those lot of people. Sure. And people just keep dumping their money into me. Sure. Same thing with the doctors. 
And then how do you even have any liability, like any recourse? Like if you didn't have to get regulated or licensed to be a doctor and you screwed up, well, who's gonna who's gonna regulate what <laughs> what you did was right or wrong? Well, I when I took when I went to the school, the Jonathan School of Medicine in I Tijuana. <laughs> in Tijuana. Oh, the, uh, no, thank you. For Doesn't bring, even have to be. No, no, be no, local. no. Thank you for bringing that up. I wanted to give a plug here for an advertisement. <laughs> the Jonathan School of Medicine will be opening in the fall of twenty. Well, just the, kidding. There's well, no way to not. say that there, that was not the right way to do it. You know, I I get what you're saying, and I think there's a little bit of devil's advocate in there. I think that regulation's good. I don't think mega lobbying organizations typically are good. I think that's, that's but a big those part, are different things. That's a big so that yeah, that's a big part of what I'm getting at. And I guess just pilots in a uh, right no, but in a general sense, the more lines and groups and and moats you're going to put around groups and professions in order to be able to get in those. You can't turn around then and wonder why things cost what they cost in that industry. The more of that kind of stuff that exists. Well, and, and I'll, I'll, I mean, seriously, that, and I'll throw you a bone here. I think a lot of stuff comes from the unions, right? A lot of these regulatory, uh, there you go, things are because of the unions. I don't know if the AMA is a good example because it's just an association. Okay, okay, uh, but but the and concept. not an association as a union is concerned. But, but the concept, the concept, right? If you look at like uh, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. I have to imagine a lot of the things are in plumbers too, but like with IBW, I have to imagine a lot of the regulations with becoming an electrician or something was a result of things the unions put in place. Of course, I, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, but then you say, okay, well, do you want a non-licensed electrician installing things? I think if your profession has a giant code book to it, <laughs> you might want somebody who's licensed, bonded, and insured. Speaking of Ron Swanson, wasn't there a good episode on Parks and Rec where he was bringing his own shop up to code? <laughs> right. It's a good one. Uh, let me circle this back and let you know that help is on the way and kind of bring oh, it good. back to what it was. Oh, no, that's good. So that's good. Uh, AB 2293, uh, introduced by Luis Gomez, would prevent the Emergency Medical Service Authority which licenses paramedics and EMTs from denying, suspending, or revoking licenses for anyone with a criminal record who has demonstrated a level of rehabilitation. Define, Very ambiguous. Define there. level of rehabilitation, I think, is the first question. So, I don't have that. No, no yeah. I know, I know. No, give it now. <laughs> so here's, here's another interesting perspective. This doesn't just affect inmates. This affects if you get involved in something while you're actively working as an EMT or something. If you get a DUI or okay. you, you know, you criminal scum. You you commit some kind of criminal act that gets your license revoked then or your certification revoked and you can no longer work as say a firefighter because part of your job duty maybe at your department said you had to be an EMT, which is pretty much everyone in California. Yeah, so this doesn't just affect inmates. This affects people currently working in the profession that if they're not keeping their nose clean, they can get themselves booted right out of their profession. You know, my old dentist in Burbank, he just sold his practice one day, right? And he he was fairly young, maybe in his 40s. Well, I got on the old Google machine oh, no. and started looking. It was like his fourth DUI, and he got his his license pulled. Oh, right. And 
I'll never, I've been reading through like the court documents and stuff, the public PDFs. And he had, you know, the big yellow bins that are full of water and stuff that they used to like, yes, you know, on the freeway. Yes. He had took out like a whole thing, like between the off ramp and the, and the slow lane right in front of a chippy. Did they find a bottle of nitrous oxide? Was he the, the guy who killed he, Cecil the lion? No, he wasn't. Okay. But he, this guy got his license revoked because he, he had one too many to drink one too many times. Yeah, and, four times is kind of a yeah. four times the charm. And he blew like a something absurd. It was like a point two something. Oh, something my Something massive. Three times. It's yeah. not absurd when you're an alcoholic. It's true. It was just normal. It was it's just a day. Just morning commute. But, you know, so there... This doesn't just, these kind of things don't just impact these inmates trying to get back into the workforce. It affects the people who are currently in there if they become an inmate themselves, you know? Um, the other thing, too, is this is a funny, we talk about domino effects in this state because people are retarded up above us. But Prop 57, the early release of criminals, has had a massive impact on these fire camps because there's less inmates available to go into these fire oh, camps. Oh, interesting. Because the only people that can get into the fire camps are those that have minimum custody imprisonment. And those are the people that get early release. They're the ones who got locked out, yeah. Interesting. If you're a serious criminal or you have a history of arson, obviously, you're not allowed to participate. But minimum custody, you can. (laughs) History of arson, sorry. I'm just... And and the convict crews are a huge part of our fire response in the state massive i mean cal fire uses a lot of crews and when you don't have those crews you're gonna have to supplement them with paid crew full-time paid career Mm -hmm. firefighters Mm -hmm. which is expensive and nobody likes to pay that overtime we read those articles so you start seeing the unforeseen consequences of we rely heavily on convict crews prop 57 lets everybody out early there's nobody on the convict crews hey don't worry since we got rid of the bail system there's going to be a whole lot more people willing to get into this fight for you. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. Interesting. It's certainly an interesting topic. Next one. Next one. This one is... This one gets me spooled up. California legal challenges to census citizenship question to continue. The lawsuits in San Francisco. This one's out of... This one's off NPR. The lawsuits in San Francisco were filed by the state of California, the first to sue after the new citizenship question was announced in March, as well as the city and county of Los Angeles, a handful of other cities in California, and the Black Alliance for Just Immigration, a California-based immigrant rights group led by Black Lives Matter co-founder Opal Tometi. Uh, there's also a couple cases in New York that are moving forward, uh, looks like to trial in October. And the attorneys for those cases are arguing that the decision to add a question about U.S. citizenship status by Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, who oversees the census, was a misuse of Ross's authority and motivated in part to discriminate against immigrant communities of color. I don't get it. Bigot. The census is a way for us to develop data and statistics. And... I can only think of one reason why we wouldn't want to record how many people are illegal immigrants, and that's because we don't really want to know the true answer. But isn't part of this what, at least, boy, logic would seem to dictate is the ultimate goal and value of 
if you get more numbers and you don't know legal, illegal, but the numbers are there, well, then you just get more apportionments of Well, no, no, it, and, it, it speaks volume to what Louis just said, yeah. is that you don't want to know right. how many non-citizens right. are here. Right, right now you have plausible deniability. Donald exactly. Trump's on crack. We don't really have any legal immigrant problem. Right. This doesn't exist, smoke and mirrors. But if you take the U.S. Census and all of a sudden you've got like a gigantic population that declared themselves not being citizens, you can't hide from the fact anymore. Exactly. I mean, we, we, we constantly say we have 11 million people here that are undocumented, but that's a 90s uh, statistic. And we've just been running with it for since we came up with that number. And it's really, we're kind of basing it off of Mexico's um, census Exit data. number. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. No, exactly. That's exactly it. They're, they're kind of look at it and they go, okay, what's our national popula- population in Mexico? How many of them are actually here? Well, guess where they're at? And that's how we came up South with this America. number. Yeah, yeah. They all went to Venezuela. Yeah. Of course they did. Uh, I went on to um, the U.S. Census website. I kind of took a look at the what they're... There's a lot of really... It's a really good data resource. It is yeah, true. Actually. It, yeah, I would agree. So I looked at it and it said, um, you know, at this specific question, and it has a little tab here. It says, uh, we ask questions about a person's place of birth, citizenship, and year of entry into the United States to create data about citizens, non-citizens, and the foreign-born population. Agencies and policymakers use published statistics to set and evaluate immigration policies and laws, understand the experience of different immigrant groups, and enforce laws, policies, and regulations against discrimination based on a national origin. These statistics also help tailor services to accommodate cultural differences. That's the government spin on it. I I think part of the funny part in this too, we, uh, Multiple episodes back, we were talking about uh, the database that they started, what, two or three years ago, of in police and crimes and right. who commit. They made it known that they wanted that data down to, like, how much did the bullet weigh? How much did the... I mean, I'm making a joke, but you get it, right? They wanted right. all... Then it comes across as something like this. Nope, no, nope, we, don't, we don't need data. Uh, data bad. And even the Universal Crime Report is not super accurate because it's based on self-reported data a lot of times, right? Right, but I'm just but but they were so interested in because oh, yeah. they obviously wanted to use it for certain political angles, but they were so interested in the data. We need the data. The data will help us and help inform us and how we can make our forces better. Come to this, uh no, nah, data don't really need data. There was a part of the article that I I was kind of it took me back a little bit. It said research by the Census Bureau suggests non-citizens may avoid taking part in the census if forms um, if forms the head count include a citizenship question. If the forms include a citizenship question, the lawsuits plaintiffs argue that growing anti-immigrant sentiment and increased immigration enforcement under the Trump administration make citizenship status an especially sensitive topic to ask all U.S. households about the census. This goes back to our first segment about fat shaming and sugar and all this stuff. It's not insensitive. It's not a sensitive topic to ask if you're here legally. It's like, it's like, it's like if you go to apply for a job and they ask you, do you have any criminal history? Kind of like the last segment. 
That's that's offensive. That's That's not a sensitive topic. That's I'm trying to develop data to figure out if you're the one we want to hire or not. Because it turns out if you have a history of stealing stuff, I don't want you working in my shop. For this, it's not sensitive to ask if you're here illegally. That's it's total bulwark, and it's different that you may not like the ramifications of those answers. It's not insensitive to say, look, you weigh 400 pounds and that milkshake you ordered at Starbucks in the morning is going to kill you eventually. <laughs> right. That's just the truth. And, and truth right. sometimes isn't covered in sprinkles. They may want it to be, no. but it's not covered in sprinkles and unicorns and rainbows. Same thing here. We're trying to get data to figure out who's here and all the different stats that, that determine the electoral college, the votes uh, states get. Federal school funding, yada, yada, Exactly, but but that's that's exactly why the more of that data that's known, then the more uh, ramifications based on laws that are on the books as to who gets actually what apportioned to it and not, that's exactly what they don't want. I mean, I know I'm stating the obvious here, but it's talked about all the time in this topic of immigration, votes, 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 in terms of electoral college, etc., That'd be great if you would give our state, i.e. whatever state has more just people, not saying legal or illegal, but people get greater number of electoral votes because that might help, um, you know, sway an election. Well, the the whole thing comes, the whole thing comes back to what Bobby and I said. People don't want to know. Well, Democrats don't want to know how many people really are here illegally. And on top of that, it's the greater problem that we've had for years. Democrats don't want to solve illegal immigration because as soon as they solve it, they have nothing to talk about. Exactly. And I think all this is part of that greater web. It, Milton Friedman well, talks about it. Illegal immigration's only... As good as it's illegal. Good as long as it's illegal. Well, the, the whole argument is it's a bigoted question, and it's only because Trump is the one who's in charge, and he's the one asking the question. But let me show you something that might blow your mind as it were i went into 2010 census and what the questions were then and here, here's how in the order it went, it went it says is person one of hispanic latino or spanish origin checkbox no or yes as it does not pertain to a particular race the next one is what's your race so the idea behind it is one question is asking Basically, by getting around it, are you a citizen or aren't you? Because they'll figure out if you're aiming towards, oh, yes, I am a Hispanic. But that that kind of leads into the whole, you were not counting you for this whole aspect of it. But as long as it's ambiguous, it's kind of a dumb data point because you can't super that's, articulate that's exactly it. X equals Y, you know, and... I, I don't see why there's any kind of racial context to to the point where you've got like Black Lives Matter involved to are you here legally or not? It's totally anonymous. Nobody's going to come pull you out of your house in the middle of the night. It's just a completely anonymous number. And the fact that we consider an anonymous volunteering of information racist is crazy. Especially this one. I mean, when, when it comes down to the census and the census workers, they you know they even have to go ask the homeless you know to give their information. 
They, they ask everybody. You're here illegally. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you are here illegally. You committed a crime by coming here. It's like the joke, uh, you know, uh, well, not all illegal immigrants, you know, have committed crimes. Yeah, they. every single one of them has committed a crime. You might not feel it is a crime, but it Correct. is. Correct. You know, and this whole thing is feelings-based. It's It's insensitive to ask the question. I'm going to say that there's an argument of truth in what the, the Democrats are saying and the argument in this um, objection to the question is that people will not willingly give their information and be counted towards the census. All of a sudden, we find out that they were unwilling to do it, just like our DMV offices and the people who didn't show up to take advantage of the special right. DMV license. You know, They just didn't bother to show up, and that's... Par it has, well, it has a bit of truth to it, it but the, the the DMV is asking a lot more information that ties you to something. Yeah, it, right? it like does. I'm showing up yeah. and saying, "Here's my name and here's right. where I live," and yeah, and I'm here illegally. Like I totally see being scared to go do that, but I don't see taking an anonymous survey. Uh, and and it speaks to what we said in anonymous. In, sure. In, in the first segment, though, as soon as we start. Footing the bill for things, we get to know more information, right? As you can eat whatever you drink, whatever you want, but as soon as you start making me have to pay for your health care, now we're going to demand a little bit more of you. How will this? I'm just thinking like the next logical step. Okay, so this happens, the question gets asked. Why won't there just be a national massive campaign by the Democrats? Mark, yes. <laughs> that's the only thing no, just no, mark just, yes no, no, no mark that you are yeah. a legal oh, just throw all the data off right yeah why won't that just be so it's almost now it's almost to the point with all these suits and everything okay so the question gets on the census well then they're just going to have a campaign and convince everyone who might be an illegal immigrant just say you're legal done that's how it struck yeah. me but i i Sorry, we've been hearing about balloon, this. <laughs> we've been hearing about this for a while now, and I just can't see how it. It to me, it's just a play to. We don't want to know. We want to just bury our head in the sand. Ignorance is bliss. Totally in this case. Agreed. Is it? That's time? it. Yeah, it's time for the James Wood tweet of the week. Uh, thank you, Bobby. Bobby decided to do the singing this time. We appreciate that. So this time. James Woods is commenting on a Breitbart article that says David Hogg to old uh, David Hogg says to old Nancy Pelosi, "Move the blank off the plate." So David Hogg, right, is the the kid uh, gained a lot of notoriety from the mass. Oh uh, yeah, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, activist David Hogg is it, it, it? Activist David Hogg is talks of his generation of gun controllers, then thinks of Rep. Nancy Pelosi and says, "Move the blank off the plate." Okay. So James Woods now is commenting on that article with some quotes and then a statement. So from the article, quote, while many students rode on the bus, New York Mag explained that Hogg often rode separately. Hogg, in fact, was frequently not on the bus, but traveling separately in a black SUV accompanied by bodyguards, end quote. James Wood says, armed armed bodyguards? Oh, the irony. (laughs) Nice. I didn't mean to steal your punch. Nope, I didn't nope. know what it was. No, you're you're uh, you're the fill in for James Woods. It's it, good. It, it writes but it's, itself. But it's a total joke. I mean, it's like Diane Feinstein, right? Wasn't she caught with anti guns? Uh, but the armed bodyguards that she had around her, she couldn't really explain why they carried weapons. Exactly. To defend herself from the Chinese. Oh, <laughs> right. there you, oh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. 
Uh, another successful episode. Thanks for listening. New episodes Wednesdays, 8 a.m. They drop on Apple iTunes and the Google Store. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>